Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at Houston's bar and restaurant scene. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have David Keck and Felipe Riccio from Goodnight Charlie's coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week, Mary Clarkson, the owner of La Olivier Restaurant in Montrose. Mary, welcome back to the show. How are you? Good, Eric. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. We have much to discuss. I don't want to dilly-dally for our news of the week. Starting with the big news, Houston Chefs hauled in a record number of James Beard semifinalists nominations this year not just in the best chefs southwest category although i do want to list them briefly because it's an interesting group uh ronnie killen ryan para from cultivare anita jaisinghani from pondicherry trong win from crawfish and noodles in chinatown and ross coleman and james haywood from kitchen 713 it's nice to see the beard committee recognizing houston's diversity don't you think I think it's way overdue, and I'm super excited that this many people got nominated this year. Much deserved. Yeah, and they nominated the chef from Mala Sechuan last year. That was like their first sort of attempt at this. But the owners of Mala Sechuan are really the ones who drive that concept. It'd be a little bit like nominating the chef from Carabas. <laughs> there is no chef at Carabas. There's a kitchen manager. Well, exactly. <laughs> And, and that's kind of the role that that chef plays at, at Mala Sichuan. But uh, Tron Wynn at Crawfish and Noodles developed that concept. It's his restaurant. So, so and, and Viet Cajun Crawfish is, is very hot right now. Uh, David Chang's new Netflix series, Ugly Delicious, debuts on Friday. And it has a whole episode devoted to uh, shrimp and crawfish. We'll, we'll probably talk about that on the show next week. But... It features crawfish and noodles very prominently, so it's nice to see him get recognized. And, of course, the guys at Kitchen 713 uh, made the big move to Washington Avenue. I've heard sort of mixed reviews about how that's going in terms of attracting people to the restaurant. So hopefully this attention gets people who haven't been to Kitchen 713 to give it a shot. Kitchen 713 is delicious. <laughs> uh, and the other nominees are interesting, too. Uh Hugo Ortega and Tracy Vaught of the H-Town Restaurant Group had a, had a big year. Uh, obviously, Hugo won the Best Chef Southwest James Beard Award last year, uh, finally breaking through. Uh, this year, Sochi is nominated for Best New Restaurant in the Country. Uh, it's the only restaurant in Houston and one of only two in Texas that are up for that award. Hugo's was nominated for Outstanding Service. Uh, the past was nominated for that a couple of years ago. But it, it feels like Hugo's maybe has a better shot at it. And Tracy was nominated for Outstanding Restaurateur in the Country. And that's the sort of thing that usually goes to people with these, you know, multi-city restaurant groups or, or very high-profile people in, on the coast. So it's nice to see her getting a little recognition. Super happy for Hugo and his wife. I mean, they are some of my favorite operators in this town. And what wonderful brand ambassadors for the city. And then what's even more interesting is that Houston chefs got nominated for things beyond uh, Best Chef Southwest and, and even what Hugo and Tracy did. 
Anvil Bar and Refuge, nominated for Outstanding Bar Service. They've been a kind of perennial semifinalist in this category. They have not made the finalist list. Hopefully this is the year. Um, Pappas Brothers Steakhouse, for the first time, nominated for Outstanding Wine Program. Uh, certainly, Mary, you're a, you're a wine drinker and a, and a Pappas frequenter. Uh, certainly the best wine program in Houston. Certainly the deepest. I mean, these guys know what they're doing, and um, I think it's about time that they get recognized for it. And then uh, most interesting to me is that uh, Martha DeLeon was nominated for Rising Star Chef uh, for her work at Pax Americana. Unfortunately, Martha just moved to Seattle and is no longer there. Uh, But perhaps the most interesting of all is that Jillian Bartolome has been nominated for Outstanding Pastry Chef. I can't recall a Houston chef ever being nominated in this category. And, of course, she is at a key, which the New York Times reported might have been a Best New Restaurant nominee, if not for the assault charges pending against its owner, Paul Key. And with the Me Too movement, uh, the Beard Foundation has taken some steps to ensure that that chefs and restaurants that have been implicated in these scandals are not nominated. And people who have been credibly accused of sexual harassment or, or any sort of misconduct are removed from the voting. So, for example, uh, John Besh is not voting this year in the awards. Uh, Paul Key is not voting this year in the awards. But uh, this, is, this has been sort of the, the ongoing debate about how do you cover a key, how do, you, how do you patronize a key, and this idea that there are very talented people in Jillian Bartolome and the chef de cuisine, Gabe, Gabriel Medina, doing very good work there that is worth supporting, I think, is, is how people are saying, I understand that these charges against Paul are very serious, but I also want to support these people that I've been, whose careers I've been following for a long time. I think that's the sentiment a lot of people, at least in this industry, are having. And you, I believe, personally, you shouldn't punish talented people that had nothing to do with it. And she exemplifies this, and so does Gabriel. I mean, the food that they are putting out is beautifully executed, and these are very, very talented chefs. And then Houston restaurants also were recognized this week by Texas Monthly. Uh, Food editor Patricia Sharp's list of the 10 best new restaurants in the state. Sochi takes number one. Killen's STQ takes fourth. Theodore Rex, sixth. Riel, eighth. Honorable mentions to... One-fifth Romance Languages, Patente, and Oso and Cristala. It's a good group. It's the most of any Texas city in Pat Sharp's rankings. Um, Mary, any thoughts on the Texas Monthly list? Uh, Killen's STQ is one of my favorites right now. And honestly, Theodore Rex, the reinterpretation uh, by Justin, is, is one of my favorite spots right now. It's approachable. It's easy to pop in there. Um, I really am loving Theodore Rex right now. Yeah, and that's a restaurant that I certainly owe another visit to. I went a couple of times when it first opened. I know Justin Yu, uh, the James Beard Award winner who had Oxheart, has significantly transformed the menu there. There's a whole bunch of new dishes. Uh, and and I talked to Justin about this. I, I ran into him recently. He said that it's it's easy to walk in there, obviously not on a Friday or Saturday, but if you go early or late, they're open uh, Wednesday through Monday or Thursday through Monday. If you walk in early or late on Thursday, Sunday, or Monday, there are seats for you typically, or if you have to wait a little bit, they have that 
have that really nice little lounge with the record player and they'll bring you wine the to lo- keep you happy. The lounge plus the kind of kitchen bar area where it's open seating and they always hold back a, a table or two. So it's a it's more accessible for sure than Oxheart was, both in price point and in um, ability to get in the door. So it's kind of one of my favorite favorite restaurants right now. Yeah, and there's a good review of uh, Theodore Rex on Eater.com that Bill Addison wrote last week. It's a good read. We're, we're still waiting for, well, never mind. I'll keep that oh, thought Eric. to myself. <laughs> but we will move on. Uh, hot real estate rumor. Mary, you're getting uh, a new neighbor right down the street. I am. Shake Shack has leased the old Burger King uh, next to Blacksmith for what will be their third Houston area restaurant. They haven't they haven't officially confirmed this, but Swamp uh, Lot snuffed out a, a lease agreement that they signed and had to file with Harris County. So it's a it's pretty much a done deal. It is a done deal. <laughs> they don't they don't need to confirm this one. I'm excited for Shake Shack to come uh, to Montrose. Certainly better than Burger King. I mean, I don't think that place is going to be missed. Um, and it's going to make this stretch of of Westheimer uh, near Montrose Boulevard. Um, even more of a drive. I think it's smart on their part. They're probably hoping to take away some burger joint business, I would imagine. Well, yeah, I mean, I love the burger joint, and and it's someplace I eat. It's a funny sort of thing. I will not eat there for a couple of months, and then I'll be out late or early, or I'll have it delivered. And I've always been impressed by its consistency. It It is consistently... Have you had it Very at 4 a.m.? I've not had it at 4 a.m. I've had it after midnight. Uh, they are open till 3 or 4 Fridays and Saturdays. And and I appreciate that about it. But they are, they've are they always been sort of overwhelmed. I mean, they, they, they don't have enough parking. It might be the worst parking situation of any Houston restaurant. Pretty much the worst. Yeah. But, uh, but I don't, I mean, I don't know that, that, I sort of feel like the appetite for burgers is essentially limitless it's in like Houston. Bar- it's like barbecue. Yeah, so I don't <laughs> necessarily think that this is going to affect the burger joint that much. I think it's a slightly different audience. I love Shake Shack. I, I do. Mean, I, I do, too. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there. That and Whataburger, done. Yeah, a double a double smoke shack with the, the bacon and the, the spicy red peppers on it. That's my order. Their fries and their shakes, all of it. The secret sauce, yum. Well, the fries are frozen and, and they're whatever. But I like the cut, though. Okay, yes, crinkle cut, very nostalgic. <laughs> um, and I would go more frequently, except it's a hassle. Even even from the mighty Gal Media offices where we record this show and Shake Shack is just a short walk down the street to the, to the gallery, it's still such a hassle to get there that I don't go as often as I might otherwise. Uh, I am a Montrose resident. Uh, I am slightly worried about the traffic clusterfuck that is going to ensue when Shake Shack <laughs> opens, but we're realistically a year or more away from that, and I will probably be a, a Shake Shack semi-regular when it opens. As a Montrosian resident. <laughs> yes, a Montrosian. That's not the word? I just made it up right now. Very good. <laughs> All right, and then I, I did want to uh, talk briefly about uh, the Rodeo Houston's Best Bites food competition. Mary, you, you joined me uh, by which I by which I mean we went there together and then I got sequestered to judge the thing and you got to go have fun at the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of the Best Bites competition? 
I I had never been, I'll be honest about that. So I was kind of excited to uh, see what it entailed. I really liked it. Uh, there were way too many restaurants for me to sample even anywhere near a, a good amount of them. But. Yeah, there's over 100 restaurants serving bites and a whole food truck part that was outside that I don't know I how many people an, the food truck knew was there. Was, uh, somebody said was a new component, I guess. But I didn't try the food trucks. I think my favorites from... Inside the main uh, hall were State of Grace. Um, they they had, I'm trying to think of what they... Crawfish beignets. Crawfish beignets. Yes, I knew it was a beignet. Um, and then Killen's Barbecue uh, had pork belly, and it was... Yeah, those little fried pork belly bites on the SQ menu. Stunning. Oh, my gosh. That was probably my favorite. Um, and then a lot of delicious wine, and that's uh, the majority of the evening that I do remember. <laughs> Yeah, uh, good night for Ronnie Killen. He took home uh, the Best Entree Award for the beef ribs that he served. He took home Best Dessert for the uh, maple bacon bread pudding that's a staple of the SDQ menu. And then they took home People's Choice because when you feed Texans beef ribs, you're probably going to get their votes in an environment like that. 5,000 people. Yeah, 5,000 people, uh, over 100 restaurants, over 400 wines. It is uh, certainly the biggest like in terms of attendance and diversity food event, uh, judging we're sequestered in the back and judging blind. So I don't know who served me the spicy chorizo slider with goat cheese, but Whoa. shout out to whoever that was because it was one of the better bites. And they, they made the finals but didn't win any of the awards, which was a bummer. Damn. But, you know, when that, that, that beef rib comes back to the judging room, you're like, well, there's no anonymity here. This is obviously Ronnie <laughs> Killen. And it was delicious, and it, it won all of the prizes, so very well-deserved. Uh, but, you know, stay tuned. To, of course, Culture Map will have all the coverage of uh, the Gold Buckle Awards and, and all the freaky food going on at the carnival. I know that's a, a Ken Hoffman specialty, and I'm sure he'll have thoughts on all the latest and greatest, you know, fried whatever and bug pizza and everything else. Going to the cook-off, Eric? I am judging the cook-off. Oh. Yes, I will be nice. one of many rib judges on Saturday. I'm, <laughs> I will have, I will, I will talk about that next week too, and I am very much looking forward to it. Uh, and then, Mary, I just wanted to wrap up. I, I discussed briefly the news that the folks at BCN are opening a new restaurant called MAD, uh, a tapas restaurant in River Oaks District. I know you've worked with them in the past. I know you're mm -hmm. a BCN fan. What can you? What are? What are? What are your expectations for MAD? BCN is one of my favorite restaurants, period. Um, very well executed, both in the front of the house and back of the house. Uh, one of my former managers, uh, Sebastian Laval, I believe is going to be involved with the running of MAD, and he is excellent. I could not be happier for him um, from a service standpoint. I am looking forward to a European-style service, refined, elegant, uh, I believe that this location for them is is going to be tremendous um, based on, you know, European and Latin Central America clientele. Um, Caracol has obviously done very, very well in the Galleria area. I know that's a little closer to the Galleria, but River Oaks District is a, is a strong um, property for them to be located at. I think they'll get good synergy from La Colonial and maybe not so much Steak 48, but I think... I think it's a great location. I hope that the menu prices stay 
approachable. BCN is an incredibly uh, elegant, beautiful restaurant, but it's also not the most inexpensive restaurant. So hopefully there are some um, options, at least at lunch, that'll make it um, a place that people can go often because BCN isn't open for lunch. Right. I'm excited about the prospect of getting a more casual version of Luis Luis Roger's food, not necessarily from like a quality of ingredients perspective, because I expect that to be pretty high, but just from like a smaller bites, you can try more things. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the prospect of Spanish lunch and brunch. I think that could be I would uh, love to see a brunch take on that. That's what they're. That's what they've said is going to be on the docket. Construction's already started. This was going to be the Sumo Maya space. So there's some work that has been done. I don't. I don't know how extensive it is, but we're. They're going to do a full build out. I yeah, mean, and we're not. And realistically, fall right like uh, <laughs> October, October, November, probably. If they've got full permits in hand, yeah. If they're if they're lucky, <laughs> if they've got their contractors. Um, lined up and everything else. But I lived in Granada when I was in college. I love Spanish food. I have a soft spot for it. There's nothing better than, you know, having a little cheese and charcuterie in the afternoon. Um, and a some, little wine. A little wine, a little sangria, some pan con tomate, tomato bread. I'm, I'm excited for them. And I, I'm excited that they're coming to this part of the neighborhood uh, as well on the uh, opposite side of Montrose. Maybe it'll be a little more accessible to uh, travelers that. Right. I think, I think that's the big play is, is we have a a lot of travelers that come to the gallery area. This restaurant will be much more accessible to them being in River Oaks district. Also, I think BCN is kind of a, you know, it's typical for Houstonians in that it's, it's small. It's maybe not under the radar in terms of its esteem, but if you're a visitor, maybe not something you're aware of. And of course it books out so far in advance that if you just duck into town on a weekend, like good luck getting a table. Well, yeah, it's in a beautiful little old house. So they're, you know, they're capped at the volume that they could do intentionally. So this, this will, this will hopefully be a little bit more for the masses, but with their finishing touches. All right. That does it for the news of the week. We will be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around. You're listening to what's Eric eating. Mary, for our restaurant of the week, I want to discuss a new arrival in Montrose, a place that you and I had brunch on Saturday. I'm talking about Night Heron, the new concept from Agricole Hospitality. They are the owners of Cultivare, Revival Market, and Eight Row Flint. Night Heron is located where Lowbrow used to be at the intersection of Mandel and West Main. Uh, Mary, I'd say we had a pretty good brunch at Night Heron. What do you think? I will actually be going here as opposed to lowbrow. Um, I know that's a little brutal. Uh, it's a lot warmer than it used to be. They kind of refinished the interior to make it light and bright. Um, all kind of white colors, a wood bar, uh, nice and open with some lounge areas. Aesthetically, it's, it's pleasing. The cocktails are really good. Um, there's some classics on there like old-fashioned that you would expect at 8 Row Flint, but there are some more contemporary drinks. Um, wine list is pretty good. It's it's relatively small, but um, really, really good. The food, I think, is is really going to get there. The congee, um, if I pronounce that congee, correctly. Congee, yes, the uh, Chinese uh, <laughs> rice pudding breakfast staple. 
I had that for happy hour a couple of days prior to our visit, and that's probably my favorite dish right now and unexpected. Price points are good on food. They're trying to be a neighborhood restaurant, staying open late. I do have a special request. Morgan Weber, if you're listening, I want some cacio e pepe on the menu. <laughs> I don't know if that fits with um, your program there, but that's what I really want. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's going to stay at Cultivare. <laughs> Uh, what they do have that I really enjoyed when I went for uh, a late dinner one night is that soba noodle saddle, soba noodle salad with the 44 farm sirloin steak. I want that. I have seared and it. sliced. It is delicious and it's only 12 bucks and I can't quite figure out how that works. And I sort of expect them to sell enough of it. that They'll be like, oh, well, it's $12 for you and 24 for everyone else. That's right. We can just charge 15 <laughs> for it or whatever. Uh, but for right now, I think it's one of the truly great steak-based deals uh, awesome. in the city right now. We sat on the patio on Saturday uh, because the weather was nice. I had a burger because I wanted to try it. We had the uh, the fried potatoes with the curry, mm-hmm. the curry ketchup that were Those good. Are delicious. Uh, our friend Nate had the uh, Monte Cristo, the fried sandwich, retro fun, uh, pretty good. And then you had, oh, you had, had that croissant, croissant, that ridiculous looking croissant. Croissant, egg, and um, sausage uh, sandwich. And it was it was pretty good. The portion was huge. Um, very, very, It was very good. Um, overall, I, I liked everything we had at brunch. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I will say, this is very close to where I live. I'm very excited to have it in the neighborhood. It reminds me a lot of Better Luck Tomorrow in that it's, it is definitely bar forward it is it is a drink heavy concept uh you you know that the drinks are more important than the food because when you you open the menu um the cocktails are up front and then you have the wine and the beer and then the food's all the way at the back so you have to you have to consider your your drinking options before you even start to think about food and you're definitely not it's hard to imagine going there and just like having a burger and a and a soda right if you're if you're going there you're going there to have a beer or a glass of wine or a cocktail, I think. Or a boozy brunch. Or a boozy brunch, which is, <laughs> we, we yes, in full disclosure, we spend as much on drinks as we did on food, which I think is sort of. The it point. was an equal, equal it split. It was like almost 50-50, yeah. Which was kind of funny. The black pepper biscuits. I think that's as close as I'm going to get to Cacio e Pepe there, but it's pretty delicious. They were excellent, yeah, with the honey <laughs> and the, the marmalade. Uh, so, yes, very excited about Night Heron. Uh, very happy to have it in the neighborhood. Uh, Mary, what's uh, before you get out of here, what's going on at uh, La Olivia in the next couple of weeks? Oh, my goodness. Um, just coming down from Valentine's Day, I get to breathe for a moment. Um, we're still doing cooking classes every Saturday with Chef Olivier from 1 to 3. Uh, rotates um, every week what it is, but you can check it out on our website at laolivierhouston.com. Very good. Thanks so much. And uh, I will be right back with David Keck and Felipe Ricci. You're listening to... What's Eric eating? I'm joined this week by David Keck and Felipe Riccio of Goodnight Charlie's, the new Montrose Honky Tonk that I have found I enjoyed a lot more than I thought I was going to. <laughs> David, uh, let me start with you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Uh, Felipe, hi. How are you? Hey, pretty good. Doing well. All right. David, let me start with you. Uh, we know you from a number of different projects. I think when I met you, you were uh, the sommelier Uchi, and then you were the driving force uh, behind the opening of K 
Camerata, the very popular wine bar. Um, to open Good Night Charlie's, you partnered up with a local businessman named Peter McCarthy. So let me just start there. How did you and Peter wind up working together? Sure. So I met Peter through Grant Gordon back in the day, uh, the late chef and friend and um, amazing colleague. And uh, Grant and I were talking about opening a restaurant together, and he actually we sat down at west alabama ice house to have some beers and discuss this as a future prospect and he said you know i'm having a meeting later this evening with a couple of like friends of friends and um we'll see we'll see what happens and then got a really excited call later that evening where he said hey uh, i think these guys are awesome he just sat down with peter and bailey mccarthy and uh, said they are already invested in some restaurants but they want to do something in houston and super excited and uh, so that's where the conversation began um and then Peter and I just stayed friends, and, and Bailey as well, and uh, continued the conversation after Grant passed, and uh, here we are. And then, Felipe, how did you come on board? Because I mean, you and David worked together at Camerata. You were, you've been a chef at a number of good restaurants, Reef, uh, Passive Provisions, right? Correct. Um, so how did you and how did David bring you into this? So, you know, like you said, David and I worked together for about three years at Camerata, um, and then in August of 2016, uh, my wife and I moved to Italy. Uh, she was going to be doing school there and I was going to be staging and working and, you know, just, just learning over there. Um, in December, David calls and he's like, Hey, how's it going? You know, <laughs> what's, what's new? So I tell him everything that's happening, you know, that I have the, the stage at Australia Francescana coming up. And he says, well, listen, hey, you know, we were actually working on a couple projects. And I was just like, you are crazy. I just got here. I just moved <laughs> to Italy. And he was like, I know, I know. Listen, but to be fair, I said, yeah. hey, man, I know you just moved yeah. to Italy. And I know you're there for Haley stuff. I'm just putting this he, out there. Yeah, <laughs> he, he had to put it out there. And I mean, I'm, you know, obviously glad that he did. Uh, after a couple of conversations, um, you know, I think it was like a Thursday and David says, hey, listen, you know, let's talk on Monday. Pete and I are going to New York um, for some R&D. And I had no idea why. I just said, hey, you know, Milan in New York, uh, it's a direct flight. And he's like, really? All right, let me call you back. Five minutes later, I have a ticket to New York to, to meet with these guys and hang out for the weekend. Um, and then, you know, great weekend. We, we dined uh Dined in wine for for the whole uh, the whole three days, and then on the way back to the airport, uh, we shook hands and I said, "All right, I'll be back by the end of uh, 2017, and uh, you know we'll get rolling." So, and then David, how did you decide that a honky tonk was the right first project <laughs> for this new company, Goodnight Hospitality? Um, it's kind of it, it evolved over. A period of time for the first step was really like going to Hunt, Texas for the first time and going to Crider's Dance Hall out there and really appreciating what they do and how awesome it is to have a live band and drink some beers and dance and, you know, the sort of sense of community there. But also it's, you know, the style of music I really enjoy and I think speaks to a lot of what people enjoy about Texas, right? There's a lot of sort of uh, Texas history in that style of music and um and so that kind of sparked the interest in me and then uh, going to some places, you know, some of the other great dance halls and then the White Horse in Austin being a great example of a sort of urban honky tonk and which is just crushes and they um, have live music all the time and is a fantastic establishment. 
And I just kind of floated the idea for a little while. I was like, you know, we should do a we should do a honky tonk. We should do a, a Montrose honky tonk. And Pete and I talked about it, and he was like, and we kind of laughed about it. And then and then I started to get more serious about it. And then we had that the funky piece of property that it's actually on. Um, you know, when Pete and Bailey purchased the land for um, for the restaurant with Grant, we also had that small sort of triangular piece across the street. And he was like, well, let's. Uh, are you still interested in doing this? And I was like, yeah, a place where I can go have a shot and a beer, run a much less uh, involved beverage program, or at least uh, not quite so uh, time-consuming, and two-step, and yeah, absolutely. So, Yeah, I, I think that was the biggest surprise. Cause I, I, I've done a poor job of introducing you, but you are a master sommelier. There aren't very many of those in, in Houston or in Texas. Uh, so I think everybody's expectation was that you would be doing something <clears> – <throat> Deeply wine related, of course. Yeah, no, it's uh, good to good to shake things up a little bit, change uh, expectations. Uh, but yeah, good night. Charlie's has two wines on tap. I think we have two wines on tap. We just brought in, so we have Dukeman Vermentino on draft, and then we also have McPherson's Red Blend. Uh, so two Texas wines, which is always fun because people get, oh, I don't really like Texas wine. And it's like, well, those are your options, and you should try them. And I think people are always actually, we've had very few uh, complaints about them, if any, actually. And then uh, needed some bubbles, so we brought on uh, June's Rosé. So a colleague and f- dear friend in Austin is June Rodil, master sommelier who works with the MMH group there. And she is uh, producing a rosé in collaboration with Marcus Huber in Austria. So it's delicious and easy to drink and goes well with tacos. So that was our third <laughs> wine. And we also have an off-menu special called the Rhinestone Cowboy, which is a bottle of killer Tete Cuvée champagne and 12 tacos for 200 bucks. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, I think when I saw it on Instagram, it was a bottle of Krug and, and 12 tacos, which, yeah, I mean, that retails for about like $175 on, yeah, a, about on, that. A, on a shelf. So it's, it's a great it's deal. It's a pretty good deal. That's a killer deal. Yeah, well, absolutely. I figure, you yeah. know, our carrying cost is high, but, you know, I make more on that than I make on selling three Lone Stars. So, right. So, what's well. it like doing a, a beverage program that's basically beer and whiskey? Oh, it's awesome. Super fun. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to get into the whiskey world a little bit more heavily. I mean, I think people assume that being a master sommelier, you just study wine for your entire life. But the exam itself is actually all beverages that can be consumed in any uh, establishment. So we study cocktails, we study spirits, we study tea, coffee, all of those things. So it gave me an opportunity to actually build a program. And I've been in beer and wine programs for the past, however, I don't know, seven years between Uchi and Camarada. Both of those, neither of them have spirits programs. So this was the uh, opportunity to kind of put my uh, studies to uh, to work there. And then Felipe, I mean, so much of your experience is fine dining, but Good Night Charlie's obviously is very different. What's it What's it like for you uh, making tacos and tortas and casual food? Well, I mean, I think you know you the way David and I work we we have a standard we have a you know a certain desire to do things the right way and and i think it doesn't really matter whether you're doing fine dining or casual dining or just tacos right we're making everything from scratch the tortillas are made in house which is actually very manual process it's uh it's you know it's pretty intensive and we do it every single day so there's no difference you know between you know doing a you know whatever 10 course tasting menu every day the right way and grinding tortillas so it's more hard, much harder to do grind tortillas the right way every single day. So it's been it's been a lot of fun. David, how's it? I mean, you're about 
what a couple of months into Good Night Charlie's now, right? Yeah, I think what seven weeks, six weeks now. Yeah, yeah. how's it going? It's awesome, man. It has been super fun. Um, we started with just Friday, Saturday live music and are now expanding to Thursday as of last week. Um, just because, I, I don't know, the place really comes alive when we have a band playing. It's really built for that. And um, and I think the neighborhood really loves being able to come and hear live music. So, And it, gives a, it creates a venue in Houston, which is very different than the other venues that already exist. Number one, we're in the loop, which is huge. And it's a smaller venue. I mean, we have, you know, capacity is 155 people as opposed to like House of Blues or something like that. Um, the staff is killing it. Uh, I've been very fortunate that we've got a, a fantastic staff. I think Felipe and the team in the kitchen are doing a great job and continue to get better. Like every day, I think the staff is figuring things out a little bit more. The kitchen's dialing the recipes in a little bit more. So it's fun to watch it evolve. Um, but yeah, when a band gets going in there and people are two-stepping and uh, eating killer tacos and drinking good stuff, it's it's super fun. Yeah, I mean, I think for people who are listening to this, the idea of a, of a Montrose honky tonk, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, is this the Poison Girl crowd? Is it the Anvil crowd? Is it, I mean, are you getting camaraderie people coming to Dude, check it this is, out? It like, is. The demographic is the most diverse I have all ever seen. It is 25 to 85. Every, honestly, every demographic. It really, the Montrose is, I think, famous for having an extremely diverse population, and that is who is coming to the bar, which I mean, yeah. makes it awesome. Yeah, you said it best. I mean, all those three are you know, within the mile, right? And there are very different crowds, but there's still, you know, crowds that uh, that visit monstrous establishments. And, I mean, that's what we are. Yeah. Felipe, are you selling, like, one or two of the tacos specifically, or are people kind of... Um, no, I mean, definitely there's the top three, uh, the cheesesteak uh, is, is the number one seller, and then the cochinita pibil, uh, and then you have the, uh, the hot chicken. So... Two of of the non sort of traditional tacos are the ones that sell the most, which I mean, you know, we're not surprised. Um, people really like the hot chicken. Well, and they're, I mean, they're not like, yeah, they're not traditional, but it's not like they're tortillas. Correct. I mean, correct. Handmade, handmade corn tortillas, uh, good quality ingredients, and, and a good combination of flavors. Like they're not they're not like drowned in cheese or queso. Exactly. Or yeah, and you know they're dressed tacos and. You know, you have the meat. I mean, you go to a taco truck and you get meat, you know, cilantro and onions, and that's it. You know, our tacos, you know, they're not fancy, but you still get, you know, a few different uh, ingredients on there that, you know, you don't usually get at a taco truck or something like that. So, David, I think when I think of an inner loop honky tonk, uh, I think of Blanca's, right. who's kind of grungy and small. Uh, Goodnight Charlie's is, is a. I don't know if it's bigger physically. It certainly looks bigger. Yeah. It, I mean, the design. So I thought content, uh, when we sat down and had the conversation, and actually you brought up Blanco's, which was the other, If you, to go back to your previous question of why a honky-tonk and what, what the progression of thought here, when Blanco's closed, that actually facilitated more of the conversation as well. Um, but I think um, content did a great job with realizing our, our conversation was, hey, we want to start a honky-tonk. We can't create Blancos, right? We can't create a, a beat-up old building here. We can't immediately walk into that. We're building ground up. How do we do something that feels like it's an old building but is actually brand spanking new? Yeah, no, and I, and I have tremendous respect for that decision because if it had been a bunch of old license plates and yeah. deer heads and, and neon signs on the wall, it just 
you would have been have, trying to fake something that you can't really. Yeah, make. and there's a lot. I mean, listen, the, if you travel around and go to honky tonks, like a lot of that just develops over yeah. time, and so we're gradually building some of the the random stuff that appears in the bar from our guests and from the bartenders and random things that pop up. And so, you know, I think over time it'll develop some of that character. But if we'd opened with it, I think it would have felt totally affected. Yeah, I mean, so. one of our bartenders, Krista, said it right. Blanco's was new at one point. You know, developed. Yeah, it's hard you know, to imagine it was ever it, right? oh, crazy. It, it, it was. Yeah. Uh, and and I and I know I've asked you this before, uh, not on the air, but I, it, you've had your first bar fight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> not not David. I, I was not involved in the fight, other than attempting to break it up. But yes. yeah, we've had we in the first month we've had. I've had to navigate, we've had to navigate more situations than in any other establishment I've opened, yes. um, but both good and bad. And uh, yeah, we're, I, I feel like that kind of christens the place. I don't need it to happen again, but you know. Yeah. Do you, uh, has there been like a one like specific experience that was like a particularly pleasant surprise? <sighs> Something it's... you didn't anticipate? Well, so we opened, um, and the con, you know, it's always a conversation with your contractor. When can you get the doors open? And so our first day open was December twenty second, and I had Aaron McDonald booked from well, Dave Wrangler from Vinyl Ranch, who does all our music, had booked Aaron McDonald. He was like, "We shouldn't cancel this guy. He's awesome, and it's going to look bad. like we should open the doors." And so even though we were still like kind of flying by the seat of our pants, we opened the doors, and um, you know, it's not such a soft opening when you're three deep at the bar, and <laughs> uh, and your bartenders are looking at you like, "Okay, this is what we're doing," and they're all pros, so it was fine. But I think the best surprise was looking out, and Aaron was playing. And the dance floor was filled, like almost within you know a half hour of him starting to play, and that is the thing you don't know, right? When you open a new place, is like, are people going to do the thing that we built it for, or are they? Are we going to have to do something else, right? Are we going to have to change this into just a bar, or are, are people going to care about the music? And you never know, and so it's terrifying. Yeah. And um, and immediately people were dancing and they were drinking sort of the things I thought they would drink and uh, eating food, and I was like, okay. So that was yeah. the most pleasant surprise, right. that actually we opened the doors and it kind of was the thing we wanted it to be to some extent. So. And we're moving more towards, you know, having more music because that's, that's the way people are utilizing the space, you know, people love it. Yeah, yeah no, and, and I've been in there when the dance floor is full and people are, you know, buying shots for the table and knocking down Lone Stars and it, it feels like the thing that it's supposed to be. Yeah, yep. which, you know, we, and we talk about this all the time. When you're opening new establishments, you, it is defined by the people who walk in the door, the, you know... Uh, within a couple of months of you opening the doors, not by you or your, you know, what you hope it to be. So it's always nice when at least part of that comes true. So, Felipe, I want to take you in just a slightly different direction because you, you mentioned that you spent a year and a half in Italy and you like, you very subtly slipped in uh, Osteria Francescana, which <laughs> is, I mean, I, you know, I feel like any, any chef that's had a, a chef's table series probably doesn't need an introduction anymore, but arguably the most famous Italian restaurant in the world. Um, yeah, the 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 most famous Italian restaurant in the world. Yeah. So, what was how did how did you how did you get that opportunity and and what was that experience like? Um, so you know the the way it all happened was I was having a conversation with uh, Daniela Sotunes, and you know Daniela, um, and I told her I was moving, you know that I wanted to to do some stages and. You know, I mentioned Osteria Francescana, and she was like, yeah, totally. Uh, I'll send an email to the uh, the sous chef, and, you know, we'll get you in touch. And it happened just like that. And, I mean, it showed, like, the rest of the stages that I did, 
have been the same way. Just an email. Just reach out. And there's people that won't respond. And there's tons of other people that will, you know, that will welcome you in. Um, and and I think that that was part of it. Like the how welcoming everyone was at OCDF and just kind of um, the staff was great. You know, the 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 rest of the Stodgers that you get to work with. Uh, you know, spent three months there, which is uh, the longest stage I did. But also, you know, I mean, there was something to learn every day, and just being in Modena, you know, tiny little town that is just has so much food history. I mean, some of the the most recognizable, you know, food items in in, in Italian cuisine come from you know the area. Yeah, I got a sneak peek at uh, David Chang's new Netflix series, and when he wants to learn about stuffed pastas, tortellini. He goes to Modena and meets with, um, I'm going to mess this up, Maximo Batara? Massimo, Massimo, Massimo Bottura. Yeah. yeah, Massimo Bottura. Yeah, he was actually there twice while I was doing stage. Um, we'd show up for dinner and then would hang out with the staff and chat with them and we'd go into the pasta room and yeah. So where else did you, where else did you stage while you were in Europe? So I was at a restaurant called Azurmendi, which is in the Basque country in uh, northern Spain. And, you know, they're, they're known for sustainability and, you know, same thing, the, the high-end uh, experience of dining in a restaurant. It was really an experience, um, you know, unlike, unlike a lot of restaurants. Um, it's it's in, the, in, the, in the beautiful hill in the green uh, Basque country. Uh, and they, you know, they have a, um, a, a garden in, in, in the restaurant and you sort of walk around for half an hour before you even sit at your table. Uh, I was at Aga. In the, in the Dolomiti in northern Italy, tiny restaurant, you know, a girl and a guy and two two cooks. That's it. Uh, but they have one star, 16 seats. They'll probably get two stars soon. Um, and then I came back in August uh, and I was at uh, Blue Hill yeah, at Stone Barns uh, for about five weeks. And that was another amazing experience. And that has two stars, I think? Um, they're not, I don't, they're not, um, on the Michelin cause they're outside. Oh, too York. far outside of New yeah. York. I think, uh, Blue Hill, New York city has two. I don't, I'm not quite sure, but yeah. But, but Blue Hill at Stone Barnes, uh, certainly one of the most, yeah. Uh, well, they would have three if yeah. they qualified area wise. Right. A, a perennial James Beard nominee. I think they won, I think they won best service last year for the, I think so. And they, they were the highest climber on, uh, on the, on the list. On the top 50 yeah. list. So, so I have to ask, um, Felipe, you seem maybe a little overqualified to be making tacos in a honky tonk. Some would say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David, is it is it fair to say that this is not the the last project from Goodnight Hospitality? Well, it would be strange to start a hospitality group just to open a honky tonk. So no, we have yeah. we have projects in the future that we're working on. <laughs> yeah, because uh, certainly uh, Felipe seems to have a, a real talent for Italian cooking and. And I know you well enough to know that you have a real passion for Italian wine. Uh, I would say Felipe's food is, he, he should speak to it, is inspired by Italian cuisine for sure. But, you know, he's got that, that whole Mexican influence as well. So it fits into uh, what we're doing at the Honky Tonk. I, I have a passion for pretty much all of the wines. So, Wine uh, in general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Italian wines, certainly. But, uh, but, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily pigeonhole, but we're... Uh, yeah, we've got some projects in the works, which will probably utilize some of the other things that we do. Is there a timeline for when you're going to be ready to talk about specifically what that is? We dug a big hole recently. <laughs> <Okay>. so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
that's that's pretty much uh, it, the timeline beyond that is really difficult to say because you know it's as with everything in this city, uh, getting through permitting and construction and everything else. Uh, but we dug a big hole. You'll have to ask the people that are digging the hole. Yeah, yeah, they, they're telling us one thing. We know that's not going to be the true thing. So, uh, but yeah, they. Well, well, yeah. I mean, it took you a year, pretty much a year for to build construction. Good Charlie's. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're, uh, yeah, we are once again in construction, which is simultaneously fun and frustrating and uh, has its own set of challenges, but more than anything, very exciting. So is the hole inside the loop? It is. You can see it from Goodnight Charlie's. Oh, well, that's very promising. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Not, it's, it's like almost breaking news. Yeah, almost. Yeah. But, you know, it, it'll be it'll be news when it's news and when, when Lindsey Brown are... PR guru says it can be news. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll acknowledge uh, Lindsay's silent presence in, in the recording studio today to make sure that we don't yeah, yeah, we don't say anything. Uh, we don't get too far off track. We need yeah. handlers. Yeah, it's important. Um, but no, it's it's all very exciting, and uh, some some projects coming up that will be uh, anyway. Uh, we're we're looking forward to them. So in the in the short term, I mean, the rodeo is about to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you doing at Goodnight Charlie's to kind of complement what's going on at? energy we've done a couple of uh rodeo events just with some of the committees and things like that um we will during the rodeo have a special for those that are either going to or coming back from the rodeo so we haven't totally ironed that out we'll probably announce it in the next uh few days here because it is coming up um but you know some sort of shot in a beer special or some tacos in a beer special something to uh sort of thank people for supporting that because the houston livestock show and rodeo is one of the truly great things about this city it's a pretty amazing thing and ties in very much with our theme so so I, I do have one request from a, a friend of mine who's been to the bar a couple of times. Uh, theme nights, right? Uh, all George Strait, all Garth Brooks, or all uh, like classic country or 90s sure. country. or Like Whiskey Wednesdays. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, I, I hadn't heard that before, but it's not a terrible idea. Um, I, will, I will let her know that it's yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, love with a band or with like doing covers of all George. Yeah, Stafford? like all covers of George. Like, like okay. uh, I, I mean, like one night. Yeah, like one night I was there. Right. You can't play that song. Yeah. Everything else is totally open. Uh, but no, I mean, the night uh, one night I was there, Max Flynn was on stage mm-hmm. and they were doing classic country. Hank Williams, Hank Williams, Jr., George yeah. Strait. I just I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. No, no. And Max plays a bunch with us, uh, actually. And uh it's great to work with him because he's local and uh, and has a great repertoire of those classics. It's definitely the direction we focus, and and the bands that Dave is booking tend to, most of them lean in that classic country with just a hint of you know rockabilly thrown in with you know some bluegrass. But we'll we'll see how things progress. Um, we've talked about a couple other theme nights. We did a live band karaoke night last night for the first time uh, simultaneously for my business partner's uh, Bailey birthday um but we may revisit that as it was actually really amazing it um, looked like fun it I was, was awesome. i was locked in the uh i was locked in at best bites and couldn't make it but it seeing it on social media it looked like a good time. it was it was a first time out with that and i was amazing uh delightfully surprised by how it went uh we've talked about doing like a, a mariachi night we need to get as mariachi well in there because there's there's some amazing mariachi performers in this city, and again, it would be cool to have that as a, a thing. So, yeah, uh, ideas are being bounced around right now. And then, and Felipe, how about your role in this? I mean, the I know the menu's kind of said it's kind of designed to be small, but do you? You mean you you started doing breakfast tacos late night and uh, at noon on Sundays? I won't yep. I won't use the B word. 
I know that's yeah. officially high banned. <laughs> high noon. Just get PTSD, right? <laughs> as soon as you say brunch, yeah, anyone who's worked gonna, a lot of I brunch I never was going to work brunch, so David just changed the name and called it High Noon. Yeah. Um, I, I said the same yeah. thing. But do you have any plans for for specials? I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you could do that oh, would there's, be sort of within the theme of what oh, you're yeah. doing. I mean, there's so much, um, you know, especially because we're making Masa in-house. Uh, you know, we're already playing around with, with a few different things. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll you know the, I think the core menu is great, but it's built in a certain way for it to be small enough that we can you know do do fun and, and new interesting things. Yeah, like pasta so Sundays or no 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 no. no, no. <laughs> yeah, but, right, Mancio, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna mispronounce Felipe's yeah, yeah. pop up series, Mancio Macaroni. Yeah, right? Mancio Macaroni. Yeah, it's time it's time to bring it back. It's been, yeah, it's been years. That's right, it has. Honky talk macaroni. Yeah. I mean, it, it all. Oh, spaghetti man. Western. David, oh, spaghetti exactly. Western night. Done. Done. Um, yeah. It's perfect. Play some yeah, old films. Massimo's going to ask for the stash back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never mention my name again. Yeah. Sorry. Um, well, gentlemen, this has been delightful. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Oh, thank you so much for having uh, us. On. We have reached the, the part of the show that I like to call the lightning round. Oh, no. Uh, five easy questions, five short answers. Uh-huh. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Right. Uh, Start with Felipe. Felipe, it is. <laughs> Felipe Riccio, what is your favorite ingredient? Lemons. David? Oh, I, I did. Uh, grapes. Oh, yeah, no. You're, I'm sorry? Grapes. Grapes. Good answer. <laughs> uh, David, what's the first band you ever saw in concert? Bare Naked Ladies. Felipe. Whoa, it's embarrassing. Uh, the, ki- <laughs> the, the Killers. Yeah, you were so young. Yep, uh, <laughs> I don't uh, think that's true. I, I, do local bands well, count? Okay, I mean, no. like, I mean, I was, I was born in Mexico and grew up in Mexico. If I tell you a, a band in Mexico, you won't know them. Well, but I, I'm, still, called, I'm always curious. All right, they were called La Oreja de Bango. It's actually a Spanish band. Love right. them. Love their work. Yeah, they're great. Actually, <laughs> listen to them. Um, David, what is your fast food guilty pleasure that comes from a drive-through? Uh, Whataburger. Whataburger. Do you have a specific Whataburger order? I'm always trying to be healthy, so I just get the burger. <laughs> I actually get, I get actually this, whatever special they have. They had like the chorizo special recently. Yeah, you're crazy. Yeah. I know. That's insane. Uh, Felipe, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? <laughs> oh, man. JJ uh, Watt. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> David, how about you? Uh, his answer will be better. No, it won't. I'm trying to. There's not like a Texan that was like secretly sneaky into wine. That no, I mean I think the Rockets right now are killing it as a team. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say what is going on right now with the well, not right now, but this season has been good for the Rockets. But I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it vague. All right, and uh, you can you can you can decide who answers this first. Where's your favorite non Good Night Charlie's place to get a taco? So there's the there's the taco truck called El Palomo, which is uh, in the parking lot of Avant Garden, and that has been my favorite for a while. Sorry, it's I will say this, oh, and I've said this before. It, you're gonna say it. Okay. It is better than West Alabama. It is Ooh. better than yeah. Yeah. High, yeah, high praise. Well, yeah. and you know, I've always been a Tierra's Caliente it's, person because it's whatever. It, it it's is the neighborhood spot. No, it's, I get it. It's yeah, better exactly. Than and I have recently, Felipe has brought me to El Palomo. And uh, and it is very good. 
So I'm brought gonna, them to the light. Yeah. Well, but they're not. The hours are slightly different. It's yeah. hard to know when they're going. You never know when they're open. Yeah, that's the so, only problem. And so I'm I'm all about consistency, and I know when yeah. I can hit Terras Caliente. Yeah. So there's something to be there. said for that. Is All right, well, David, tell us uh, what the website is for Goodnight Charlie's and your goodnightcharlies.com at uh, on Instagram at goodnightcharlies and Twitter at nightcharlies because somebody got Goodnight Charlie's already. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, thank you. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at E Sandler, on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.